morning and uh, been going through Ephesians here, what uh, God is trying to teach us about who we are in Christ. And we're going to be in Ephesians chapter number two. And we're going to start reading uh, here in verse number 14, all the way down through uh, verse number 17. And the main emphasis that Paul is going to try to uh, emphasize towards us is that Jesus Christ is our peace. Um, now, upon the first mention of that, uh, we immediately all like to think of, yes, Jesus is my peace and the fact that he gives me this inner peace, this uh, a peace that passes all understanding, and, and yes, that is true. But what Paul here, he's trying to do is he's trying to bring us into this understanding that we've been uh, redeemed to God through Jesus Christ. Um, we've been resurrected to new life in Christ. And now uh, he's trying to bring us into a little bit closer relation, not only with him, but within the people that we live with, the people that we have relationships with, and, and how our life now is supposed to affect the world in which we live. Um, do, you, do you have peace uh, in your home? You know, uh, I can remember growing up that uh, there was a lot of times that there were things going on in the home and uh, brother and sister fighting and stuff like that. My mom or dad would be uh, yelling back at us and if you don't quit that, I'm going to, you know, and then all of a sudden the telephone would ring. Uh, hello? <laughs> um, interesting, you know, peace. Um, and, and conflict that we have. Um, a few years back, uh, the Lord allowed uh, my wife and I to go to uh, Cancun just for a little uh, getaway, um, completely paid for. It was, uh, it was a gift uh, that somebody had given us. And um, we were making the plans uh, to go to Cancun, and you, you got to choose what you wanted to do on, on certain days. And one of the things that I wanted to do was to go uh, rock repelling and snorkeling and go exploring these underwater caves and everything. And my wife says, well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> well, what do you want to do? I'd like to go to the spa and get a facial. And you could only choose one activity. And I'm thinking, well, you go do the spa thing, go do the facial, and I'll go do the uh, rock climbing and everything. And she says, well, I want to do it with you. Oh, boy, there was not peace that day. Man, <laughs> doors slamming, tempers rising, all this kind of stuff. And you know what? You know who won? I went and got a facial. <laughs> got the massage. And there was this peace that needed to be in harmony in the home. And so Paul here, he's making this, this plea for peace to be in our life as well. So let's read here this text here, Ephesians chapter number 2, uh, verses 14 through 17. It says, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. 
by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. Paul's emphasis on peace here is unmistakable. I mean, we can see it as it's outlined here in these scriptures. I mean, four times here, Paul makes this emphasis of peace, peace. Jesus himself is our peace. He says that the wall of hostility is broken down, bringing peace. He preached peace. This peace is evident here uh, in these scriptures. And you know, it's interesting that later on we find in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 15 that Paul will refer to the message of Christianity as being the gospel of peace. And that peace should now exist between uh, the two uh, parties here that uh, we looked at last week is between Jew and Gentile. And there was all this hostility and this, this uh, uh, I guess, animosity between the two of them. The Jew did not like the Gentile and, and you can't be a part of us and you can't do this. And, and God says, no, all of this has now been reconciled, brought into peace now. And notice this, observe here that Jesus doesn't merely create peace. Look what he says. It says, for he himself is our peace. So here in these, in these verses here, we're going to take a look at what this peace is that God has brought to our salvation now that we know Christ. And how that peace should impact our lives and how peace should change of who we are in Christ. Um, understanding what we are in Christ and, and our identity in Christ, knowing that who we are in him, that Jesus is our peace. So I want to share with you just a few things here. Uh, first of all, I want you to notice that our perception has changed. Our perception has changed. Listen to what he says again here in uh, verses 14, 15, and 16. And I'll read a few things in here uh, with the uh, scripture here. It says, For he himself is our peace, who has made us Jew and Gentile, because that's what we're talking about, Jew and Gentile, both of us Jew and Gentile, one, and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. Verse 15, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, Jew and Gentile, so making peace. Verse 16 says, it might reconcile us, Jew and Gentile, both Jew and Gentile, to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And then he says, and he came and preached peace to you, Gentile, who were afar off, and peace to those who were near the Jews. 
So what does it mean here? I mean, God's given us this idea that this peace has brought a difference of perception. And the perception is now not two groups, not Jew and Gentile, but one. We're united as one. One body in Christ. What does it mean to be one with Christ? It means that I am part of his body. I am part of the body of Christ. It means that the church, which is his body, I am part of that. And this is the mystery here that uh, Paul talks about in Ephesians 1, verses 9 through 11. He says, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him. Things in heaven, things on earth. And so there's this mystery of us being one with Christ, being united with Christ to unite all things. But the question remains then, how does this help me? Why does this matter to you, to me? I mean, if I read it here in God's word, why does it matter that I'm one with Christ? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not fighting with any Jews today. I'm not over there at my house and going, oh boy, look at that. There's some, there's some people that I'm going to make a problem with. How does this affect me? How does this change me? See, during this time when Paul wrote this letter, this was a big deal for the Gentile and, and to be now one with the Jew. I mean, can you imagine if you were a, a Jewish uh, believer that, that knew the Lord and you're, now you hear about a, a Gentile, one that you would not have anything to do with, and now he's being accepted and he can be a part of God's covenants and God's, God's promises? Boy, that was very offensive. That was something that, that you didn't want to listen to. But I do believe that there's a very important lesson for us to take away from this. Because to be united with Christ means that I have a revelation of who he is now. Because I'm part of his body. In this case of this text, it's the fact that he is our peace. And my perception now has changed I have a revelation of who God is, that he is our peace, that Jesus is our peace. Look at uh, chapter number 3 in Ephesians, chapter number 3, verses 3 through 6. Listen to what Paul says here. He talks about this mystery again. He says, how the mystery was made known to me by what? Revelation. As I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known unto the sons of men in other generations that has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. What is this mystery, Paul? What is this revelation? What is this perception that we have? Look what he says. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And listen to what he says here in verse number 9. He says, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. And so 
Paul here is giving us this idea that our perception has changed because we're part of the body of Christ. And now we have this understanding that Jesus is our peace. And so my perception of who Christ is should change my affection for Christ. You know, I don't believe we'll ever really fully grasp the idea of the fact that we are part of the body of Christ and who Christ is. Let me give you a a good illustration of this. Let's turn over to uh, the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter number six. In Isaiah chapter number six, you have um, Isaiah here and he gets this revelation of God. He gets his perception of who God is, is is revealed to him. This happens several other times. You can even talk talk about it there in uh, Revelation when, when John has the revelation of Jesus Christ. And, and Jesus reveals to John who he is. And John has this heavenly vision of Christ. And listen to what Isaiah, how his, his perception of who God was changed his life. Isaiah 6 verses 1 through 4. It says, it was in the year King Uzziah died that I, Isaiah, saw the Lord Here's his revelation. Here's his perception. What was it? He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of his robe filled the temple. And he says, attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. And with two, they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, holy, Holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. You see, I do believe that there's an element of revelation of who God is in these angels cry, these seraphims cry. And what were they crying? Holy, holy, holy. And each time that they cried holy, I believe it was not just mere repetition of just saying holy, 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 holy. But I do believe that each time that they viewed God, that they saw God. God was revealing something more about himself and the seraphim would then cry, holy! And then God would then reveal something else about himself and they would say, holy! And so I believe that our perception of who God is, that he is our peace, ought to change our affection for him. Good way to... Think about this, those of you that have children or raise children, you know when they're very young that they begin to do things, sometimes good things, sometimes bad things. And as they begin to grow and mature, they, they start having these little funny quirks about them that you're just like, where did you learn that? What do you, I mean, that's funny to me. Um, one thing that Evelyn's been doing right now is um, 
we'll have the radio will come on in the morning kind of as a as an alarm and it's on WFRN and WFRN has that little jingle right WFRN well she knows that jingle she picks up on that jingle and each time that that jingle starts she goes WFRN <laughs> now I've heard that jingle several times, but because there has been a perception in seeing what she's doing, it's different. It causes me to have more affection towards her because I'm, I'm going, oh, wow, WFR, you see WFR, wow, that's so neat. <laughs> and so when Jesus says that he is our peace, God is revealing something to us about himself and our affection ought to change in that. And that's why I say I don't think we can ever grasp the idea that we are part of the body of Christ, that we are one with Christ. Because as we continue to live our life here on this earth, God should be revealing to you and to me more and more and more about himself that our perception changes. And in effect, it changes our affection towards him. So why does it matter that we are in his body? That he is our peace? Because in our union with Christ, we recognize that we are always admiring him. And we are never in the position of saying, well, we've got it now. I've mastered Jesus. I know everything there is to know about him. No, you don't. Because you never master Jesus. Jesus should be the one that masters you. Jesus is the one that is going to be revealing himself to you and to me. And so this is what is so good about this because we are forever diving deeper into our relationship with Christ as part of the body of Christ. And as he reveals himself, we then in turn, our affection grows towards him. You see, the Jew here, as what Paul was talking about, was very proud of his heritage and his covenants and his promises that he had. And here's the Gentile that's been cast out of all of that. And God says, I've brought them together in one, the body of Christ. And he says, I'm going to reveal myself to them and to, for them. And so church, body of Christ, don't miss this. You see, when we gather together, even like this on Sunday morning, this should not be a, a thing of, well, you know, that's church, that's what we do. No, we got to understand when we gather together, we are here to get a perception of who Jesus is together. And in doing so, our affection for Jesus, our affection for God should grow together as one, united and when Jesus is exalted and he reveals himself to us, we all together, we shout holy, we shout together, we, we come in agreement together of who Jesus is. And so it's so important that when we gather together that we gain this perception of Christ united as one, together as one. So we are one with Christ, and Christ is our peace in this sense. Our perception has changed. Let's look at a second thing here about this. Because Jesus is my peace, not only is my perception changed, but secondly, my worship has now changed. 
Listen to what verses 14 through 15 say again. He says, for he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh, mark this, the dividing wall of hostility. This hostility, this, this, bro- this wall was between the Jew and the Gentile. There was hostility. There was a wall there. What is this wall of hostility? Well, Paul tells us. Look what he says here. He tells us here in verse 15, the wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments. What are these law of commandments? What are these? The law of commandments can't necessarily be the Ten Commandments. Because we know that Jesus did not do away with the law, but the Bible tells us that he came to fulfill the law. Jesus spoke about these commandments. He tells us, if uh, you've heard in the old times, if any man does this, but I say unto you this. We read that Jesus said that the greatest commandment is to love God and to love others. He said, on these two commandments hang all of the law and all the prophets. So he couldn't necessarily be talking about the law of God here. Well, he tells us exactly what this law of commandments were. Look what he says. He says, by abolishing the law of commandments that are expressed in ordinances. What are these ordinances? What does that mean? Ordinances do not refer to God's laws. Ordinances were the commandments of men. Let's let Jesus clear this one up for us. In Matthew 15, 3 through 9, he says, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? Thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites, he tells them. Well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, And in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You see, these commandments of men were these restrictive, pharisaical laws and and teachings, these ordinances that the Jews brought into their worship. And this was a wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile. And they say, well, guess what? You can't come over here and worship God. Are you circumcised? Well, you better get circumcised. And Paul is saying, no, no, no. Jesus is our peace. He's changed our worship. You know, I am so sick of religion. Aren't you? I'm so sick of it. Jesus has brought peace to Jew and Gentile to be united as one. And Jesus' peace, it done away with this hostility of worship. And so we need to be very careful in, in my life and in your life that we don't make worship burdensome to people. In other words, by creating laws of commandments or ordinances that are expressed as these rules or traditions. So worship is not about you. It's about him.
And so when we, when we come together to worship, Jesus has changed our worship. The only two requirements for worship is that we worship in spirit and in truth. That's it. And so this dividing wall of hostility was present there. And it was keeping the Gentiles from actually being able to worship God. Remember when Jesus was there in uh, Samaria and he encountered the woman at the well and he was talking to her about living water and the woman there, the woman of Samaria, she said, well, I've heard that in Jerusalem, that's where you're supposed to worship. But they said, our fathers have taught us here in this mountain. That's where we're supposed to worship. See, different, two different things of worship there. And what did Jesus say? He says, no. He says, the time has come. God is seeking true worshipers. Those who will worship him in spirit and in truth, neither in Jerusalem nor in this mountain. And so Jesus has broken down that dividing wall of hostility so that we can now enter into worship with him without all these burdensome rules and burdensome ordinances to try to worship God. God tells us that Jesus has abolished, he put an end to it, this system of worship by giving us peace, by giving us himself. And it's Jesus that we worship. We're not supposed to worship ordinances and rules and, and regulations and so forth and so on. We're here to worship Jesus. You know, one thing I really enjoy what Jeff always says is he says, did you worship? Did you worship? When we come together, did you worship? That's what we're supposed to do. Here's the third thing that uh, the peace of, of Jesus, Jesus being our peace, has done. So not only has he changed my perception, he's changed my worship, but the peace of Jesus Christ now has changed my relationships. Look what he says here in verses 16 and 17. It says, And might reconcile us, Jew and Gentile, both of us to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you, Gentile, who were far off, and peace to those who, the Jews, who were near. So there's this hostility between the Jew and the Gentile. And it's through the cross, look at verse 16, that this hostility was ended. And in its place came what? Look what he says. He says, in its place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body. Reconciliation. Both Jew and Gentile were brought to peace. They were reconciled to God. There was peace that was made between the two of them. And look at verse 17. It was Christ that preached this peace, this reconciliation to the Gentile, those that were far off. And he preached peace to the Jew who was near. You see, my relationships have changed and should be changing in what way? Through peace, through reconciliation. Jew and Gentile were at odds with each other. And Christ united them in one body together. He created in himself, the Bible says, one new man in the place of the two. 
Has our relationships changed in the body of Christ? Has your relationships with other believers that know the Lord changed in the body of Christ? Are you seeking out reconciliation in the body of Christ? Because that's what the peace of Jesus should be doing in your life. It should be bringing about reconciliation in our relationships with other people. Are we far off or are we near? Is there a wall of hostility? Is there enmity? Is there no peace in our relationships? If so, then we were really not living in peace with Jesus Christ. Because if we are, then our relationships would be changing and we'd be seeking out reconciliation. You see, Paul intensifies this truth that Christ is not only the source of peace here, but that he is also the one who keeps the peace if we wish to live without conflict among people. Do you have conflict in your relationships? If so, then you need to be seeking out reconciliation, seeking peace with people because Jesus has united us as one already. You see, the body of Christ is about reconciling relationships with each other. And this is really one of the practical challenges of being a part of Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship. Reconciliation. You see, because we're people, we hurt each other. That's what, that's what happens. And so we say things, we may do things. Um, we may act selfish, we may act very prideful, and in doing so, people get hurt. But the true test, the true test of, of Jesus being our peace is not, well, you know what, he's got his way, I got my way, we're just going to live and do whatever. No, 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 no. That's not it. Reconciling, bringing peace, bringing those relationships back together. If you could write down one name right now of somebody that you know that you're at odds with, that there's no peace there, that there's a wall of hostility there. If you could write down one name, would you seek to bring reconciliation to that relationship? Would you, be, would you be somebody that would go because you are a reconciled person, that you would go to be ambassador of reconciliation and, and try to seek out peace? That's what we have to do. Because we are a reconciled people, we should be reconciling in our relationships with one another. We shouldn't just brush it off and, and say, well, oh, well, oh, well, that's, that's what happens. That's what happens. It's no big deal. I'm just going to continue living on my life. It's okay. We ought to be seeking out reconciliation with others in our relationships. So where can you bring reconciliation in your relationships? Is there someone whom you need to be reconciled to? To make peace with? That's what Paul's emphasis here is between Jew and Gentile. They were such at odds against each other that they needed reconciliation. The dividing wall of hostility had been broken down. I want you to see the, the gospel in all of this because this is, this is what is so amazing about all of this. 
Listen to what Paul says in verse number 16. It says that he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. You see, it was through the cross that Jesus was able to accomplish all of this, change our worship, change our perception, change our relationships. It was through the cross that Jesus is able to do all this. We must live out the gospel. We must allow the cross of Jesus Christ to change our life, to change who we are as people. He has resurrected us as a new creation. We got we gotta put the, the, the old dead man dead in the ground and leave him there. He was killed. He was put to death on the cross with Christ. And we've been resurrected to new life in Christ. And that's what should be uh, uh, motivating our life. That should what be pushing our life. And, and, and what we should be pursuing after is Jesus Christ, the cross, the, the new life that we have in Jesus Christ. So we must allow the cross of Christ to bring about the change that we so desperately need, that Jesus is our peace. Let's pray together. Thank you.